This is my Father's world. Why should my heart be sad? All nature sings and around me rings the music of Bobby Thammert. Thank you, Bobby Thammert and David Lawson for that beautiful duet. I'd like to read to you this morning one single verse. And it's a well-known verse. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, and verse 12. From the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, So in everything, don't miss that part. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for your gentle guidance, your loving nudges, the gentle way you you mold and shape our lives. Now may this word be unfolded to us today. Give strength to this weak vessel, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. When it's all been said and done, we will have chosen what people will remember about us. When it's all been said and done, we will have chosen what people will say, what they will think, and what they will remember about you and me. Today's text is one of the most familiar texts throughout the world. It's not just peculiar to the Christian faith. It has been adopted in a variety of forms in every faith perspective in our world today. But it was Jesus who spoke these words. In everything, not randomly, not once in a while, In everything, do unto other people what you would have them do unto you. This text has been given many names by scholars and theologians. It's been called the Mount Everest of ethics. It's been called the pinnacle of principles. It's been called the apex of the Christian faith. It's been called the crowning jewel of Christian character. But we know it primarily as the golden rule. If I were assigned the task to go throughout the biblical record and try to discern what is God's most important instruction in how I am to relate to other people, I am convinced that my mind would fall to this text. That there's nothing more important in relating to other people than to treat them, to do unto them what we would have them do unto us. I sometimes think, maybe I'm dreaming Why don't you dream with me for a moment? 
What would our world look like? What would life be like if everybody modeled the golden rule in life? We wouldn't have to lock our doors at night. We wouldn't have to worry about sending our children and grandchildren to the park and be concerned about their personal safety. We wouldn't have to worry about our teenagers being pressed by others to engage in some activity that would violate the will of God and would not be acceptable by parents. We would not have to worry about office politics, about gossip that is painful and untrue. We wouldn't have to worry about people saying lies. We wouldn't have to worry about abuse in life. We wouldn't have to worry about crime and terrorism, war, and even starvation. But you and I know that is not the world we live in. Jesus gives this very profound and yet crystal clear teaching of how we are to relate to others. And I was thinking and praying this week, Lord, just open it a little deeper for me. And I feel like that God has kind of impressed on my heart that this calls us to try to, to try to sense what another person is feeling. To try to figure out what their need may be. And to try to reach deep within and to find some way to help meet that need in life. I believe that this text applies to every arena of life. Not just to people out there that we meet, but in every arena. And I believe it applies in marriages, in my mind and families. And my mind went back to experience many years ago, early in ministry. The year was 1986, and Stacy, I was in seminary. And that semester, I had to be gone three nights a week and four days. And Vera, as Stacy is bearing the weight, was feeling the weight of her husband and the father of our children being gone four days a week and three nights a week. This same semester, I was serving three little churches, and the smallest of the three churches is a church named St. Johnstown United Methodist Church. It's outside of Greenwood, Delaware. And it's a little church that was built in the mid-1800s. And, uh, you know, that church, it was the smallest of the three churches. On Sunday mornings, uh, we'd have about 15 people. And all of them were the salt of the earth. And on Sunday mornings that we'd have 18. Wow, we were like, this is, this is, we got a big crowd today. That little church only had a sanctuary. It didn't even have an indoor bathroom. Really, in the 1980s. And so we dreamed about the day that that convenience could be provided. And so we, we started trying to put put our dream into place. And so that required a lot of meetings. And what it made it, it the problem was it was real challenging for this. 
We didn't have access to public water or sewer. So it meant that we needed to have a well drilled. We needed to install a septic tank in a, in, in a drain field. But the problem was this. Surrounding the church was a church cemetery. Where do you put a well? And where do you put a septic tank in a drain field? Well, you know, you know what permitting process can be, how challenging? Well, it, we just had so many meetings trying to work through this and getting advice of people and contractors and all that. And one night I had this meeting and, 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 and I said to Vera, I said, you know, I got a meeting again tonight. And she was just feeling the weight. And Stacy, we know you feel the weight of your husband and father of Madison being gone. And she said, do you have to go? And I said, honey, I'm sorry, but it's a really important meeting. And I could just sense it was, she, and she said, you know, it's not easy. You've been gone so many nights and the girls miss you and all that. And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll leave the meeting early. I said, it starts at 7. I'll leave about 7.30. Well, it was one of those meetings. You all know where I'm going with this. <laughs> it was one of those meetings that, that what was being discussed, I, I just felt like I, I couldn't leave. And it was in the days, we didn't have cell phones. I couldn't you know, send her a text and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be running a little late and that sort of thing. So I drove in the driveway at the parsonage about three or four minutes after nine that night. Now, I'm not a real bright guy, <laughs> but I, I sensed I was in trouble because there wasn't a light on in the parsonage. So I tiptoed in, and I went upstairs, and their bedroom door was closed, and my pillow was outside. No, it really, no, I'm just kidding. She didn't, I thought you'd enjoy that, that's why I brought it up. But she really didn't put my pillow, she's never done that. Don't give her any ideas. She hadn't done that. So I went into her bedroom, and she was awake, and I said, honey, I'm sorry. And she said, sorry just doesn't work anymore. And I, you know, tried to explain why I didn't leave and all that, and she said, Sorry doesn't work anymore. What are you going to do about it? And I was trying to help her understand. And she said, then she said, this is what got my attention. She said, how would you feel if I were gone three or four nights a week and four days a week? How would you feel bearing the weight of everything? And I got a glimpse of what she was feeling. And even though I'd learned about the golden rule as a little boy in church, even though as a pastor I'd read it many times and tried to teach it and preach it, I realized I wasn't completely modeling that in our family. I wasn't completely modeling that in our family. We need to model the golden rule in our family, first and foremost. We need to model with the human family. We know there's people all around us, you know, as, um, you know that, that, that are hurting, that are broken. You know, Sunday, not Sunday, I come in here every morning before I go to work. You know that. And I come in here right by myself. There's nobody else here. And it's a wonderful moment for me because I can get on my knees and I can pray. 
and, 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 and just, I mean, you're all alone with God. And, and I pray for the people of Trinity. I pray for everybody who walks through those doors. Because I know we all walk through those doors oftentimes with a little weight on our hearts. Something's, something's weighing on us. Something's bothering us. Something's troubling or concerning us. And there are people out there who don't walk in these doors. And, and, and they need us to model to them, to do unto them, to try to understand what they're feeling, to try to understand what the need is, and to try to reach within and find some way to alleviate, at least in part, some of the pain of that need. Dr. Joseph Stowell is the current president of Cornerstone University. He writes about being away on business for the university. And uh, he was leaving on an early morning flight, and he had made arrangements for a cab to pick him up at 6 a.m. at the hotel. Well, he was up early, and he had a chance to get a cup of coffee. And he writes that right across the street was a Starbucks. So he walks into the Starbucks about three or four minutes after five. It had just opened. And there was a young lady, maybe college age, behind the counter. And um, there was a customer in there. And he's holding in one hand a New York Times, and he's holding a $50 bill in the other. And as Dr. Stowell walks in, the man's saying, I don't want a cup of coffee. I don't want a bag of coffee. I don't want anything else. I just want to buy the New York Times. And she said, Sir, I'm so sorry, but they did not leave me enough cash in the register to make change for a 50 with just a, a New York Times. And he said, I don't understand this. And Dr. Stowell immediately stepped in and says, Put his New York Times on my tab. And the man thanked him, kind of huffingly walked out. And the young lady, now in tears, said to Dr. Stowell, Thank you. But this is what else she said I want you to hear. She said, Our world would be a better place if everybody acted like you. Dollar and a half. That's what it cost him to model the golden rule. But not only with our families and the human family, but in every arena, in our place of employment, in our place of business, wherever we, we encounter and our lives intersect with the lives of others, we are to model this. Jesus said in different ways this truth about loving our neighbors ourselves, about all people will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. He even challenged us to love our enemies. A young man by the name of James was born to a Baptist preacher. And the Baptist minister and his wife taught their son the golden rule at a young age. And they taught him to try to embrace and, ex and express that every day. When the young man turned 19, he started his dream. He wanted to be a businessman. 
So he opened his first business. It was in Kimmer, Wyoming. It was a dry cleaning business in a mining town that had 19 bars. He named his business the Golden Rule. And when he hired his first employee and subsequent employees, he, he emphasized that they must live out the name of the business. They must treat everybody the way that they would like to be treated. He would build that business and it would span the country. And then he went into retail. And he became known and is credited as the first businessman who would not call his workers employees, but sales associates. And he is also known and credited as the first business person who developed and implemented profit sharing. So that all of his employees, that because of their hard work, they too could benefit beyond their salary with profit sharing. Oh, by the way, in 1946, this man named James, he hired a man named Sam Walton. And he trained Sam Walton. And in 1962, you know what Sam Walton did? He started Walmart. Oh, by the way, James, James Cash Penny. J.C. Penny. The man who is credited with calling his employees sales associates. The man who is credited with starting profit sharing. Jesus said in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now I know that's, that's an immense challenge. And I wish I could honestly stand before all of you today and say that I've always fulfilled that. And I'm not proud to say that, but I haven't. And I suspect that probably you stand with me. There have been moments when we haven't quite fulfilled the golden rule. But we know we serve a God of love and grace and a God who continues to give us another chance and another opportunity. But Jesus has placed before us this, this crown of the Christian faith to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Let's pray. Holy God, Thank you for the direction of your word. How you instruct us to order and orchestrate our daily lives. And when it's all been said and done, may each of us be remembered as people who strive to live out the golden rule. In your holy name I pray. Amen.